back to Bourbonville Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today, we are sitting on, uh, I'm going to call it the campus of Logstill Distillery here in Gethsemane slash New Haven, Kentucky. And we are sitting down with uh, the master distiller, proprietor, president, CEO, jack of all trades, mm-hmm. master of some. Tour master, yeah, I, I, I do damn good tours. That was a, that was a good tour. I'll, I'll concur. <laughs> Agree, Mister JW slash Wally Dance. So Wally, yes, welcome to the show. Hey, How's thank it you going? Guys. Terrific. Yeah, thank you for uh, for being here today. Thanks for having us out here. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah, no, thank you. A lot of a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work with a lot of good people. I had no idea what we were coming to today because I had never been out here. And let me just say, wow. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, you know, I had a friend of mine come out here a couple of times, and he was like, you have to go check it out. Like, they have an amphitheater. There's a distillery. They're building a tremendous amount of things. And I'm driving out here. I'm like, no, no, this must be somewhere else. <laughs> he lied. He lied to me. He lied. The I, whole, I'm being catfished. Yeah, I know. He, <laughs> then you pull up to the distillery, and it just it goes on forever, and it's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I sat down and tried to put some questions to what we were going to talk about today just based off website and not having any other knowledge of it. And I think all my questions are bad at this point because everything out here is just remarkable, and there's other things I want to talk about. Right. So after spending some time here with you, the campus is super cool and different from just about any other distillery most people would go to. So for folks that haven't been to Logstill or hasn't, haven't heard of you or things to that nature, can you tell us about, A, what makes Logstill unique, and then, B, what makes the whole experience unique? Well, for for us, I mean, you know, it begins with family. Uh, we were on our old distillery site, or our old Dant distillery site, uh, that my you know great grandfather owned. Uh, my grandfather worked here. Um, my dad was born and raised here, and you know, we grew up here, coming on family vacations and holidays, and you know, running around the old distillery property was you know kind of second nature to us. And so to be able to one come back to the old distillery and kind of resurrect what was what was here at one point in time you know it's kind of a like a, a little dream come true for, for us and and uh, our greater dant family and um you know wh- why we're unique i mean that you know with my son-in-law that's a part of all of this and hopefully my uh my other kids you know that'll make us seven continuous generations of dance that have been involved in the the bourbon industry and you know really when you think about that and you look at the beam family which has had eight continuous generations and and they're they're continuing on as well there's not a whole lot of families from a bourbon perspective that kind of can say those sort of things and and so you know outside of that being a a more family-oriented campus we we've really tried to do something a little different from a bourbon tourism perspective and having, you know, the tasting room and having a distillery is while that's a part of everybody's um, vernacular with with the distilleries these days. We try to say how do we how do we do something a little bit different than that? Uh, we got to build in lodging, and and so we've built in you know bed and breakfasts out here throughout the 350 acres that we have. We've got a fishing lake um, that's part of the distilling process, but you know where you can bring kids out sit on our docks and, you know, fish in our lake while someone else goes to, you know, drink our bourbon in the tasting room. Or, you know, we've got a, a, a train depot that's in the in the process to where you can take a, you know, a train out to our distillery and, 
a restaurant and amphitheater for music and entertainment. So what we've tried to really do is, is build something that, you know, attracts all sorts of different manner of, of folk to the bourbon trail uh, and kind of sets us a little apart from everybody else. So what, what was that inspiration, right? When you look at Dant Crossing as a whole, you know, you've got the amphitheater, the, the, the distillery, all the other things going on. What was the inspiration behind that? Was it just because you wanted to be unique and you wanted to put out something different or? Yeah, it would, again, I think when I, I said it, uh, I said it kind of at the beginning was we 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 wanted to be family oriented. And while, you know, certain folks bring their family to a bourbon tour, right, um, a lot of the younger kids can't participate in that, right, because of good old liquor logs that we have here. Um, but But what we wanted to do was kind of, orient ourselves around that for your family to be a part of our family and then secondly we we talk about community how do we build up this community that you know gave back to our family uh, multiple generations and to be able to do something like this to bring tourism dollars to new haven new hope gethsemane um, was really a goal of ours and and so we said how how do we do that how do we make this a destination place uh where people want to come and spend their hard-earned dollars with us and be able to spread that goodwill throughout the community and and so those were two real significant goals of ours when we when we set out here and so uh, that's how you begin to think about how do you do something different how has the community embraced the construction that's going on in the project and really the end goal of what you're going to have. I mean, they're certainly excited about it. I mean, they've been very supportive from the very beginning when we announced our plans out here. Um, you know, I, I can, what we tried to do is hire local people, um, whether it's from a contracting perspective, building perspective, um, uh, employee perspective is hire folks that live in this community to make sure that uh, one, our money stays in this community. And again, that was a goal of ours. And so they've, they've been very gracious with us. They've known my family for many years, many generations out here. And, um, and so for us to be able to return, uh, and be back in here, they've, uh, they've certainly embraced everything that we're, we're doing out here. Can, um, and can you talk a little bit about the water tower aspect of it? Because obviously that is one of the major sites that you see when you come here. And I know that that was a key foundation in choosing this location for a distillery. So can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So we have our original water tower that was part of the campus. It was built in the mid thirties. Um, and so that was kind of an icon for this whole distillery. You could see it from miles around, depending on where you were. And, um, and so we were able to refurbish that entire, what they call, um, what they've termed virgin steel. And, um, and so there wasn't, while it, it looked like this picture on the wall when we bought it. Yeah. Right. So you can see all the rust that was associated with it. Um, it was in really fantastic condition for us. And, um, and so we were able to refurbish it, um, turn it into a working water tower again to where we have all of the potable water for our facility is, um, is going to be used in that. And then, and then from an icon perspective, we oriented our entire campus 
around that water tower. So from an architectural perspective, each one of our buildings is kind of oriented around that to where that's kind of the central plaza for not only the distillery, our tasting room, our restaurant, but the entire campus is kind of focused around that. So if you go to our event center, you look out across the way and you're looking at that water tower first. That's awesome you call it. I love that you refer to it as like a campus instead of a distillery because, I mean, when people come out here, it's really just more than a distillery. It's a whole experience. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. Oh, I, I agree completely. You know, when Scott said, let's go, I'm thinking we're going to a distillery. That's cool. But this is much, much more. And I think that's, that's what's really hit me today is the magnitude and size. You're over 300 acres out here? Yep, yeah, a little uh, under 350 acres. Yeah, continuous acres. Remarkable. Absolutely. It's, it, it, the countryside is just absolutely magnificent. You have the lake. I mean, everything else, the rolling hills and kind of the background of, you know, what, what I call greater Bardstown area, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And just, just really, really neat and beautiful out here. So I mean, it's an, it's an ugly rainy day and it still looks beautiful out here. I mean, it's still, it, it's a fun experience. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, God kind of blessed us with some natural beauty out here and we tried to take advantage of it. I think, I think you did a good job. Possibly can. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's dive into alcohol i mean that's what bourbon barrel talk is all about mm-hmm. when we love everything spirit related and things to that nature and we not quite everything we love everything spirit related you don't always like other things that is true so we're going to drink a couple things actually that i'm not typically a big fan of today but we're going to drink it try it and have a little fun with it and go with that but uh tell us a little bit about you know your two kind of like what i would consider you know looking at the website things like that the the brands that are going to kind of put you on the road of success you know the rattlesnap and then the Monk's Road series, you know, and give us a little bit more detail behind those. Yeah, so uh, Monk's Road is our, uh, what do we call our premium Kentucky uh, brand. And uh, and so all of that will be made here on site, on premise. And so the stuff that we have out today, we have two gins that we have in front of you, and we have our, um, our Kentucky bourbon. And so that line... Uh, that Monk's Road line eventually will include um, our weeded bourbon, uh, a high rye bourbon, and a uh, rye whiskey. And it'll be more of a Kentucky, what we call a Kentucky rye. I think a lot of people refer to it as more of a Kentucky rye. So not your um, typical 95.5 um, uh, Indiana rye. And, uh, and so we'll have more of the corn uh, pronounced in that uh, Kentucky rye. But those will will be, you know, kind of that that uh, Monk's Road series of of uh, brands. So we, our first bourbon that we have that's in front of you today, it's a source bourbon. It's six years old. You know, we've only been in existence for really three years. So you you can't if you do the math real quick, you go, well, how in the hell did you make a six year old? That's when you're only three There's years old. There's a magical machine that's back here. <laughs> that's right. We went this in a magical, time machine. This magical uh, You just push a machine. button and it comes out in six years. <laughs> it's great. I mean, the reality is that sourced bourbon, I don't think it carries that same stigma that it carried five years ago. Right. And right. You, you've come to realize there's excellent whiskey that is being sourced and sent out and just remarkable. But you get to pick the expression that you like and that's what you're branding and putting out there. Yeah. So, so for that first bourbon that we, we came out with, we, the, you know, the, our, our, the Dant family has been known for this high rye, um, bourbon for, for years since its very beginning. And, and so what we 
wanted to do with our bourbon, our first bourbon that we came out with, was to have a high rye expression that we thought would be kind of reminiscent of what was made here. And then really second behind that is um, is really to have it at 100 proof, which we were known as a bottled and bond sort of uh, a bourbon. And so that's why we have this at 100 proof. Uh, while we can't call it bottled and bond, right, because we didn't make it, it's not a part of our distillery, it went from one distiller to another, um, we we did want to get it as close as we could to what our, our expression uh, will be in the future. And um, and so it was really important for us to, to, to pick it out that way. What's the MSRP on on that? Uh, the MSRP is seventy nine ninety nine MSRP on this fifth district um, uh, bourbon of ours. So and, you had a lot of hi- all right. Sorry, I interrupted yeah, yeah, yeah. you there. You had a lot of history in that name, and we were talking off off mic here. But Monks Road, fifth district, and Cold Spring Distillery. Can you give the history of those three items? Yeah, yeah. So the what. The 5th District is an old taxing district here. Um, the government used to have an old taxing district, right, that used to be the 5th District, which included Louisville all the way kind of through central Kentucky. And um, and so as a part of our sourced bourbon series, we wanted to have it a, a name, provided a, a historical name, uh, along with, with our, our historical family. And so that 5th District was a way to pay homage to all of the old distilleries that used to be in that 5th District. Like, for instance, around where our distillery was, pre-Prohibition, there were 11 distilleries within about three and a half miles of radius of where our location is. And so as we come up with a new bourbon from a source perspective and the different expressions associated with that, we wanted to have a different distillery name, an old distillery name that has gone out of existence. And so our first one was was called Cold Spring, which is literally the old Cold Spring distillery was, you know, 500 yards down the road from where we are right now, across from our distillery. And that Cold Spring distillery was founded by another Dant family member. Uh, so Joseph Bernard Dant was his name. He was a son of uh, Joseph Washington Dant, um, and he founded that. Well, the famous bourbon that he used to make there um, is what's called Yellowstone, and which is certainly made today by the Stephen Paul Beam. Um, and and but it was you know an original Dant bourbon, and uh, it was made here at Cold Spring Distillery. And the spring is still running today. Uh, we're actually going to use that for our finishing. Um, for our proofing and finishing of our, our barrels and bottles in our new distillery. That's awesome. And you, yeah, I mean, the label is, is very unique and there's lots of, I mean, there's, there's lots going on there and explains the whole story. So I think it's, it's really great to be able to understand that. I mean, like, like they said earlier, I mean, you've got Monk's Road on there, fifth district, Cold Spring, and then you've even got a little Latin up there, uh, Sole Dio, which is also fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a neat label, that's for sure. Yeah, the, 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 and, the, and you know, our, uh, we're, uh, we're a good Catholic family, so we procreated a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, so we've got a lot of cousins out there. Happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And so as a part of that, right, why we we wove in, you know, into the Monk's Road, we woke, wove in some of that uh, heritage of ours. Yeah. I think the history part's awesome. I mean, just enjoying bourbon is one thing, but you know, investigating, checking out 
where the origin of a name or the distillery or finding out where the water comes from a spring. I mean, those are just the geek in me likes those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. let's, let's dive a little bit more into the gin products. I know that that's part of the series and you know, um, you've, you've poured us a couple here. One you said was kind of your straightforward gin, but your take on it with different botanicals and things like that. And then you have one that's aged and give us a little bit more detail behind that. Yeah, sure. The the uh, dry what we call our dry gin. Um, we 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 looked at it. I looked at it from a flavor profile perspective and botanical perspective. Um, and while I love gin, and I've always loved gin, and why why are we talking about gin? It's because you can experiment with it, right? With a vodka, you know, outside of the grains, right? Whether that's potato, wheat, corn. A vodka is a vodka is a vodka, right? You you distill it, and then you you know distill it, triple distill it, quadruple. Then you, then you, you mix know. it and drink it. Sorry, right. and, for and, vodka right. fans out there. <laughs> and and look, and and there's a lot of people doing doing that, and that, that's all fine, well, and good. And you look at the category, and you go, it's a pretty cat crowded category. And the, the other side of that was because you, you can have fun with gin. You can take a botanical mix and just you know, mash something up and, you know, mix something up and, and do something different with it. That So it kind of gets into this whole experimental side of it that said, let's try something and be unique, try something different. And and really, we thought we could compete in that category pretty well. Um, I'm a big Jen fan. Uh, my wife's a big Jen fan. And uh, her name is Jenny, by the way, G-I-N-N-Y. And and so we thought we could have some fun with that, and so that dry gin that we have is is really meant to be kind of an everyday drinkable gin. And while you always have juniper in all your gin, we didn't want it to overpower that flavor profile, and so we really wanted to balance between that juniper that you taste on, you know, kind of on the front, um, with some more citrus notes, and so. We've included, I'm a big coriander fan, so there's coriander in there. Um, but we've got some lemon zest, orange zest, and kind of watermelon rind in that in that, uh, in that, that dry gin. So I really like this gin, and I know it's supposed to be a London dry, but it doesn't have that normal bite that you would assume right. is in a London dry gin. Right, right. And so I really want Scott's opinion because he's the most critical of gin because he doesn't I, like it. I am it. probably definitely the most critical of gin. I, I actually, I, I, I don't hate it. We'll just put it that way. That is a compliment. Um, and, like it that. Is, and that is a compliment. Take it. There um, you go. He says that about me some days and I take that as the nicest thing he <laughs> says sometimes. Right. But it, 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 it's definitely different, right? Like it, it, it doesn't drink like a typical gin. It really doesn't. It, mm-hmm. You don't have that heavy pine or that like almost like cedary, weird, right. woody yep. undertones. But I do. I get a little bit of the coriander. I get some of the lemon zest. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's actually really smooth. I actually, I, I, I could definitely mix this with something else, and I think I no, could really enjoy yeah, it. I would drink it like this. It's it's good like this. You're a gin drinker. No, I'm not uh, a gin drinker, but it's good like this. <laughs> and, and the alcohol, it's at like 86, I think 86 yeah. proof. And um, and so what we wanted to do is is hopefully make it stand up a little bit in a in a cocktail. And so that's why we got a little higher proof point. I bet than, it would, I bet it would mix well. Yeah. I, I would drink it neat. I, yeah, I don't I know that I would add anything to it. It's yeah. a beautiful expression. Does not need the tonic. There you go. Right. Did you uh, did you guys ever mess around and try to make this at like navy strength to see what it would be like? Or we, we, did you call it navy strength? Yeah. 
You're going to have to explain that to me. I'm not so, like, Navy that. Strength Gin is probably going to be in your upper, like, 120 proof and higher gin. And so that's what they typically call a higher proof gin is Navy Strength. Not cask strength. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, because no, so when, it, when, when, it, when it comes off the still, once the gin comes off still, it's usually around 160. Yeah. And, um, and so... I've tasted it like that. It'll burn your ass. It'll burn your ass. <laughs> yep. It'll put hair in places. Hair doesn't need to be. Right. In, Scott's, in Scott's place, it might help him out a little hey, bit. That's right. I'll take, I'll take hair. But, so that's why you don't have any hair. Right. But, it's not from gin. I can tell you that. So, but Navy strength came from, obviously, the sailors that's would right. want their gin at a higher proof because they couldn't drink it at 160. So they it was tolerable to them at 120-ish. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that came from, and it just stuck. And so... Um, if you kind of see a higher proof gin on there on the shelf, it'll it'll say it's at navy, navy strength. strength yeah, yeah. So that's a gin term, navy strength. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's I got it's got great legs to it, though. I mean, it it hangs to the glass. It I don't gives you all the thing you want for a good I, a good. I, drink. I really like it. And what's uh what's kind of your price point for this? Uh, so you'll see it retail on a shelf anywhere from, I've seen it as low as 22 at some That's places awesome to price. 29 to 29. I think we've said MSRP at 29, but you know, depending on the retailer, they, yeah. That's, a, gr- they that's a great price for that. And that's why it flew off the shelf and you couldn't get it anywhere. Well, this, this one, one, yeah, the next one the that you was the, the, our barrel finished is the one that kind of flew off the shelf. They, they, this one, while wow, this one's doing extremely well. Uh, we we didn't require aging on this one, right? Uh, but on our barrel finished, we require aging, and so the demand outstripped our our aging. <laughs> so, so can you tell us a little bit about the barrel finished gin? Because I'm really yeah. excited to try this right so now. So, different botanical mix in uh, this one than our uh, dry gin. And while we certainly have the uh, juniper notes that you always find in a gin, and there's some coriander in there as well. Um, there's some grains of paradise in this one. Uh, we actually put cranberry as kind of our f- the forward fruit in um, in this one because we thought it would pair extremely well with our weeded bourbon barrels. So we take used weeded bourbon barrels of ours, put this gin in there at 160 proof, and let it work its magic over about five and a half to six months. And uh, so what it really begins to do is impart um, that sort of weeded bourbon um, taste, flavor profile into, and that char and the vanillins that come out of that um, nutmeg that comes out of that. And you really begin to get a gin that, um, it, that what I think anyway, what we think is that it kind of drops that juniper off pretty quickly. Yeah. To where then you get that nutmeg, that winter winter spice that kind of comes through uh, in this in this in this so, gin. So two things with this: one, I see why it flew off the shelf. Yeah. Two, it's a very interesting transition for bourbon drinkers to go to a gin because you get the incorporation of both aspects of some of those wood sugars mm-hmm. from a barrel into. Uh, a gin that doesn't have that bite in there that people are afraid of. It's like when you drink scotch and it's too hoppy, you kind of stay away from it. If gin has that bite, people stay away from it too, but this kind of mellows it out. So I, 
I think it's an awesome transition, and it's and it's good. Yeah, no, I, I like this I'm one. I'm just gonna a lot. go ahead and say it's good. No, I do. I like this one a lot, actually. Um, it, it, and I think the thing is, is like you said, the the, the weeded barrel brings some some sweetness to it. Like mm-hmm. it, it gives a little bit more of that sugar, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, we we chose yeah we chose not to use like a high rye bourbon or anything like that because I just didn't want that um, that spice to come through necessarily, and 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 I think Matt said it correctly when. There are a lot of people that come in here and go, I just don't like gin. I don't like the flavor of it. I got drunk on it when I was 19 years old, and I never went back to it again. Vodka. <laughs> Tequila for me. Fireball. So I'm a little concerned here for myself that I've enjoyed both of the gins. Yes. And uh, I've had one other gin that I, I like, and I really liked Rabbit Hole's gin. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty good flavor mm-hmm. to it. But I'm concerned that if I find more gin like this, that I'm going to end up going down that quote rabbit hole of gin, along with the you know several hundred bottles of bourbon. And I'm just concerned for my pocketbook a little bit because both are really good. You know what? This is probably easier in your pocketbook than the bourbon. It, it will be. But actually, I like the dry gin. Uh, pers- I like them both. But I like it, the dry gin just better than the barrel finished. Yeah, yeah, good. I keep going back to the dry gin. It's growing on me, I, but it's it's definitely different. It, but it's, it's different not, than any but it's other not gin your I've normal, ever had. It's not your normal London dry gin. Like, right. If you were to compare this to five other London dries, you'd be like, yeah. well, how is this in the same category? Yeah, like, but it's good. It's right? not beef eater. It's not, oh, you know. No, that's right. Sorry, I just threw up behind <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's not that super dry, bitter-like type gin. But yeah. I don't know. Definitely, definitely unique and, and, and great products you got going yeah there for sure and let's Thanks. get let's get to the cornerstone of this yep is so that right the bourbon's the cornerstone it is the cornerstone <laughs> that's what that is what we do right um, that's what we came here for. And, and while we we love our gins uh you know our mainstays are going to be our bourbons and whiskeys and so this first one that we have our first expression of that is this cold spring distillery uh sort of series of ours uh under that monks road label and again, we wanted this one to kind of mimic what we think our expressions are going to be a high rye bourbon. So 75% corn, 21% uh, rye, and 4% malted barley is the mash bill on this. It's six years old, a little over six years old. Um, our barrels are getting ready to turn seven years old in, uh, in about six months from now. And, um, and so this... Uh, number four char is on this one and we think it's a, just a great expression of our family, uh, what we used to do as a, as a, as a family together and, um, you know, kind of what we're going to be producing here on, on campus. Awesome. Was there a mash bill you were going for? Did you match similar? Was it really close to what was historical family? Yeah. So we were in that higher 20 percent range uh, more so than this one and um but the, the the flavor profile that we have you know you can taste that spice that comes through this uh the master distiller that actually um i know personally uh he talked to us about about our stuff he came down and had some of it and he looked at me and goes i've told my guys not to sell that shit anymore um uh <laughs> because you know it, it's a it's a he he loves it and um and so this is a great you know great opportunity for us to be able to kind of put something out there that we're, we're really, one we're really proud of that was done extremely well 
and it's it's really done well in in the barrel and um you know we think it's a great expression of of something that's uh, yeah. going to be reminiscent of what we have there's I something mean, definitely unique about it like i'm i'm sitting here trying to picture what brewer's malt was put in with this i don't know it's like it's nice and creamy up front and then you get the rye kick on the middle and the back end of it so you don't get that rye up front which is nice right, right. so it doesn't scare you away from a second drink but yep. It finishes with a heavy rye. Yeah. That spice back there, that allspice is nice. Yep. And yep. here I thought it had a nice smooth uh, sweet flavor, but maybe it was that creamy. Wow. That can be. That, maybe that's what I was or. getting at. Good flavor. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. No. It's, it's, it's nice up front. Yeah, it, it, it surprises a lot of people when you talk about you know a high rye bourbon. They all expect you to get that punch. You know, a lot of times you yeah. get that punch. And uh and this one doesn't doesn't do it kind of it's really subtle and then provides it on that it kind of builds like yeah. the more you drink it you know you get a little bit more of that rye kind of hangs on the front part of your tongue yeah. and on the mid palate and i don't know it's really good yeah. yeah and you get that you know you got a little of that kentucky hug because it's 100 proof but it it doesn't over overwhelm you it's I don't the think. job done that goes nice with that barbecue truck that's outside that's that exactly. smells awesome <laughs> by the way Punch. and then can you tell us a little bit about the rattlesnap? So I really like the label on that, and the color in those bottles look fantastic as well. Uh-huh. Um, tell us a little bit about that and kind sure. of the history so, behind that name. Yeah, so the rattle and snap is uh, going to be our Tennessee whiskey expressions. And so I've been in Tennessee or lived down there now for 22 years uh, before being back here on our, our homestead. And as uh, long as I've lived in anywhere in my entire life, uh, by about fourfold, and um, and so what we wanted to do is kind of uh, also have this house of brands. While we've got the Monks Road, we also wanted to have some some Tennessee whiskeys in our in our portfolio of brands. Rattle and Snap is an old pre-Civil War game of chance, and um, and so the story behind Rattle and Snap is there's actually um, a home, an old plantation home in Tennessee in Columbia, Tennessee, called Rattle and Snap. And that plantation home was won in a game called Rattle and Snap. So you take dried out beans in your hand, rattle them around, and snap your wrist, right, and let them go. And then we don't exactly know exactly how it was done, um, but it was a a game of chance. And so for us to be able to kind of use and utilize that Rattle and Snap, in that game profile about taking a chance and saying, hey, here's a Kentucky distiller that's making some Tennessee whiskey, and they're going to have fun with it. We're going to do some flavor uh, profiles with some of that Tennessee whiskey um, and be able to bring different expressions out for uh, maybe the early drinkers, right, that haven't had bourbon and or traditional Tennessee whiskey, but want to start out with a you know, a, a different cinnamon whiskey with honey or a honey profile. And so we thought we could have fun with that. And that whole Rattle and Snap brand would, would allow us to introduce those drinkers, early drinkers, young drinkers, um, to, you know, uh, a different thing. And then, you know, as they move along and their flavor profile move up to the Tennessee whiskeys or our, our, our Kentucky bourbons. That's really neat how it's got a little backstory with the, the game yeah. and stuff. I guess if it was Indiana, it would have to be Euchre and Buzzed. <laughs> I love Euchre. <laughs> I do. I, do. I love Euchre, too. Well, you said you were from South Bend originally, yeah, so yeah, I but... figured you had to know what Euchre was. That's so exactly next right. Next on Bird Barrel Talk, we're going to play Euchre. Wait a there second. Is it a bar or a bower? 
What? It's a bower. Oh, oh, the right and the left bower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we it's call always it bower. a bower. Listen, I'm not even from this area. I know what it is. <laughs> from way up north. Really? I like that we can, uh, we're here in your administrative office, and it sounds like the band is uh, checking out. They're, they're checking out. They're they're check. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a great time on. after this. No, I was like, what on earth is that sound? And then it, the thought literally just occurred. I was like, oh, my God, the band is doing some kind of mic check over yep, there. So yeah, we're awesome. doing sound checks, yep. So crazy. Um, yeah, so Rattle and Snap looks cool. I mean, you got the white label and the dark one, so. Yeah, yeah thanks. So it, I know you spoke a little bit to kind of the, the mash bill that you're, you're, you're going with. Is there like a historical mash bill that you really prefer or that you really love that's something you'd like to maybe bring back or – do something with as as you guys expand yeah so lynn uh dant um my cousin that's in as a part of this she and charles but lynn um her dad kept her father her grandfather's old journals right so he had run this distillery called danton head and he kept pretty meticulous notes uh journal notes and um so uh, she discovered those in the past. It's the band back there. It's so excited. It, it got our <laughs> microphones and headphones too excited as well. So, um, so she had this old, these old journals, and so we've got the old mash bills from the old distillery that we're we're excited to try in our new little experimental, what I call our experimental still. That's a part of our tasting room, and so we can do it on a small scale in there, be able to see what it what it was. We know the yeast that was used here on property uh we actually know the old mash bills of the dant family here and so to be able to replicate uh those sort of things with the water that we have here uh, our old lake water which will be our what we use for our distillate um you know we think we can come really close to replicating what was actually done on the old distillery and be able to bring that back to to light you know some you know almost 50 years later i i meant to ask this earlier but um, I know you guys are going to mimic the mash build for the Monk Road release. Mm-hmm. Are you going to mimic a mash build and kind of create one that's similar to Rattle and Snap or just kind of let that be a one and done? Yeah, so um, so the, the Rattle and Snap, um, it, to be a Tennessee whiskey has to be made in Tennessee. Right. Right. Um, and so they, uh, we've got a distiller down there that will continue to do that for us for hopefully in long foreseeable that, future. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's great to have that uh, variety. And, and, so. and you know, we've, we've got a lot of, there's a lot of great folks that make great whiskeys and bourbons, uh, and then throughout this whole industry. And, you know, we've partnered with some, some folks here in Kentucky while our distillery is being built to make our, 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 our stuff today. And, um, and you guys know them well, and they're just, they're just great folks to, to be with, that's you know that's the wonderful thing I think you find in the bourbon industry that I haven't found in any other industry that I've ever been a part of right whether that's been healthcare or insurance or any of those things that I've done in the past is that there's a there's a lot of collaboration in this industry and uh, and people are very open and honest with you about you know their experience and what they like to do and like to see and and so that's been a great you know boon and blessing for for us. Yeah, one hundred percent. I we talk about the camaraderie all the time when we meet with different distillers and and things to that nature. So it, I was shocked at how nice everybody is, really, to everybody. I know somebody was telling a story one time when Heaven Hill had their fire. You know how many you know makers mark and 
you know, everybody else kind of came in and was like, hey, well, how, how can we help you guys, you know? Right, right. So, yep. So we, we know there's tons of barrels that are going out, you know, in the state of Kentucky and, and things to that nature. So people can kind of get a better idea of, you know, the scale you're going to be working with once you get up fully functional and running. About how many barrels do you guys think you'll be laying down monthly, weekly, that type of thing? Yeah, so on a, on a month-to-month basis, you're looking at a little over probably – uh, a little over a thousand barrels a month. You know, we'll have a 24-inch column still. We'll have 12 fermenting tanks here as a part of that. Um, so you're looking at production anywhere from 14 to 16,000 barrels a year. We'll be able to produce at our distillery. Uh, we could produce more, um, but we're only going to run two shifts, not three shifts. Um, we really um, we value family, and third shift is pretty hard on families and. Um, and while I'm sure there's a lot of people that like to work third shift, we're just not going to do that at our distillery and and want to uh, you know keep it keep it that way because again we're trying to to build community and family here and um, we feel like while third shift it is you know for all the people that that do it uh, more power to them we just we just don't want to do that uh, here at our place. So, um, quick question for you. So, along with this lineup, do you all plan to add? Do you all plan to add that more Kentucky rye to it as well later on down the road, or? Yeah, oh yeah, you know, you know, we'll have that Kentucky rye that'll yeah. be run out of our our place as well. We're and we're looking forward to that because it's just it's that is another place where you can have fun, right? Check out the mash bills, do different mash bills on that rye bill, and and so we're looking we're looking forward to having fun experimenting around on that one. So Monk's Road. <clears throat> sorry is a uh, you know you're all's bourbon product things moving forward single barrels are kind of the the new hot thing you know mm-hmm. everybody wants to get a single barrel yep. wants to have a single barrel program how do you all see you guys filling that niche market you know as it continues to grow and, and get more i guess widely spread across the u.s yeah so and of course you guys as we all know we're kind of sourced right now so um so all of that that product that we have from a source perspective, um, we've got to be cognizant of how much we have and what states that we move out in from a distribution perspective and how do we grow and how do we grow appropriately um, and how do we provide folks that want a single barrel program with that single barrel program. And so I think you'll see us um, like the second year that we're out in the state of Kentucky have a um, uh, a single barrel program for for our, our retail partners that are out there or our on-premise partners that are out there um, but we want to make sure that we continue to have supply as well and you know I don't know if you guys have heard but it's it's a tight market on on uh, aged bourbon barrels these days and um, and we, you want to continue to have some sort of consistency out there with that and make sure that your partners, whether that's in Kentucky or, you know, Indiana next year and Georgia and Tennessee next year, um, you know, have enough from a supply perspective. And so there's a balance out there that we're trying to maintain. Um, but we'll have a program that'll probably be kind of second year programs for every state that we kind of go into. So right now you all are just distributing Kentucky, correct? Yep. Yes. Okay. Kentucky only, as they say. 
And uh, the, the the next big question is, you know, obviously with bourbon, there's there's one drink that comes with it that, that I think is becoming ever really increasing in, in, in popularity is, so where do you see your yourself going in the rye market? Well, uh, we'll have our rye product, our Kentucky rye product will come out in 2024, right? So it'll be a four-year Kentucky rye when it comes out. Particularly on our Monks Road series, uh, we're not we're not allowing anything out uh, from a bourbon or whiskey perspective unless it's four years old. Um, we're, we're pretty adamant about that. While there are some younger rise, and a lot of people bring out younger rise, um, we really want that marrying of the the barrel and the whiskey to be um, at the right released at the right time. And, um, and that's pretty critical for us. And so you'll, you'll see us come out with a four year old rye, um, in 2024. Super excited to try it. Also, a uh, kind of random question at this point, but were you able to keep the old cold Springs distillery DSP number, or did you have to file a new one for log still? So our DSP, um, is number 47. Okay. Right. Uh, and so that used to be. The old Danton Head Distillery uh, was number 47. And then uh, when they were bought and purchased in 1940 and then kind of um, purchased again by United Distillers, that distillery kept number 47. So when they became a J.W. Dant Distillery, it was number 47. And, um, and so once they closed in 1962 and then kind of finished out the warehousing uh, of whatever was left over in 1970-71, that basically went dormant and, um, and never to be used again. And so then we, uh, knock on wood, worked with uh, this good senators here in Kentucky, our representatives here in Kentucky to work with, with TTB in Washington, D.C. to get back our old number 47. And so, um, so number 47 was the distillery number. They gave it back to us. We're honored that they gave it back to us. Um, we kind of had two things going for us. One, the, the Dan family heritage uh, associated with that, and then uh, the old distillery site. And so um, while the government hasn't been doing a whole lot of that lately, um, they, they did do it for us. And so we got back number 47. The actual Cold Spring Distillery DSP number was actually 240. Hmm. All right. I got a question for you here as we've talked about drinking gin neat and bourbon neat. How do you like it? Is it neat on the rocks in an old-fashioned Manhattan, something else? So, so I'm generally a, a, a rock a rock sort of guy um, because I think water brings out flavors. And, uh, and so while I will certainly taste it neat and I can drink it neat, uh, my preference is to have it, uh, you know, with some ice, uh, but just because I think it, 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 again, it brings out flavor profiles. And while I know that there's a, a, a big rage these days on barrel proof, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan. Like, so if I go to Jack Rose in Washington, DC, which is one of my favorite restaurants, uh, of all time great uh, restaurant it is a great restaurant but a great list of bourbons right and i go there and i would you start out neat 
they bring eyedroppers out to you, right? Uh, and then they bring rocks out to you. And, and to be able to taste those older an- antique bourbons uh, and or whiskeys is, um, hopefully you'll see us do that here in, in our restaurant as well. They give you the eye, the uh, eyeglass tops too, so if you ask for them. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, so I, I used to live right outside of D.C. for a long time. Did you? All right. But did you ever go to the speakeasy in Jack Rose? Oh, downstairs? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Now, how awesome is that? <laughs> it is. It's, it's And that's like, cool. a, that's like a, you have to make it like three months in advanced reservation these oh, days. Oh, yeah. I but mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's. You think the, bur- you walk into Jack Rose and you think the bourbon room up there is great. And then you are, then you're escorted to the yeah. speakeasy downtown and you're like, oh, oh, these exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, they, what they've done. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, it's pretty amazing. There's a few places in the United States that, that have kind of done that there's a great place out in seattle um that actually has a lot of that same same stuff yeah. and I mean, uh chicago yeah. too i mean delilah's yeah, out right. there yep. chicago's fun oh yeah do we have anywhere in louisville my basement look <laughs> <laughs> like where we're going today scott yeah, yeah. going to going to the house of jasnoff yeah actually i could take you down into our little cellar here and on this sure note we're going to wrap up early all right <laughs> we're going to take motion to adjourn motion accepted <laughs> All right, we. I've got a. I got a few more questions, so you're gonna have to work just a little bit no, longer. No, we already. Mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom, no. we need to go now. <laughs> <laughs> he offered bourbon bunker. Let's go. Yeah, go. So, uh, <laughs> I'll just show it to you. Damn it! <laughs> damn. All right, not opening it up. Well, not yet. Hold anyway. on I gotta hold it for my restaurant. <laughs> so, uh, looking at the campus, you know, you've got the restaurant coming in. You have the event center coming in. The future looks bright. So, what what are the other plans, if anything, you know, outside of what you've already got established that that we see in the in the near future for Logsdale? Well, I, I think I talked a little bit about it before. We've got that train depot coming in. We're going to have a, an overnight train car that we actually have bought and purchased. We're working with the Kentucky Railway Museum for those of you guys that that know where that is here in New Haven. Uh, we're on their rail line, and so when we can bring out you know a group of of folks that want to spend you know, the, the night on the train, um, you know, we are working with them on that. So that should be up and running, uh, hopefully no later than kind of May, June timeframe of 2023. Um, that'll be a really unique experience. You'll be able to come up to our restaurant, have a great dinner, go back and sleep overnight on that train car that, uh, you know, that there's, there's nobody else that does that. Um, and so, in that and come in see a damn concert get on that train car and you know there there's going to be some things that we think kind of set us apart from from everybody else the train on the tour today you know as you were driving us around to me that is one of the most exciting things to think about the the very different opportunity to come here via train or to stay in a train car and just have that experience very neat and historical for sure yeah it's also cool that the train takes you by the old distilling process as well so the old fermentation tanks are out there and and you guys preserve those really well so to see that as part of the tour as well is a very unique experience Yeah. yeah we you know and while we don't have a whole lot of what was the old distillery left here we think as a part of that that experience we're gonna have, hopefully have this kind of so this virtual tour that says, "Hey, this is where you're standing, right? And you're standing in the middle of the old fermenting tanks. You'd be able to pull it up on an iPad and kind of 
visually look at where you were in the old distillery. And, um, and so we think again, that's going to be, you know, again, something that that's unique, uh, unique to us. And, you know, but you, we've got a number of old distilleries out there. I mean, if you go look at the old, old Buffalo trace, the old ancient age plant, I mean, that's a beautiful old expression of what an old distillery is or Barton's, um, you know, or Castle and Key. And, and so, uh, and they've got, they've got more buildings left certainly than, than, than we do. But, you know, it's important to talk about history and bourbon is history. I mean, bourbon is uniquely American and it's uniquely, really uniquely Kentucky. And, uh, and to be able to say that we were, we were part of that and have been a part of that for generations is, 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 you know, we, we think pretty special. So last question before we wrap this up, I've never had a distiller tell me that they prefer to make rye whiskey, but are you a bourbon or a rye guy? If, if, if we're going to have drinks at your house tonight, what, what, what are you pouring? You will have. <laughs> it's not an if. We're going to that bunker in a minute. <laughs> you will have bourbon. <laughs> While I love rye, I, I love. I'm big. I'm a big rye fan. But you will have. You will have bourbon. All right. See you later. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> so, for folks that want to come out and visit Logstill, and and they want to find out more about you guys, do you want to lay out? You know, how do they get here? You know, what's the best way to contact you guys? And then. Yeah, you, you, can go to, you can go to a couple different places. You can go to logstilldistillery.com um, and find us all the information on us there, how to get here. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's an easy drive from like Louisville or southern Indiana. It's about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic in downtown Louisville. Uh, if you're coming across Sherman Minton, you might as well forget it. Um, right now, I think that's right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's about an hour outside of Louisville. Uh, we're two hours outside of Nashville, an hour outside of Lexington. So we're kind of, we're, we're near Bargetown, 14 miles away from Bargetown. So everybody knows how to get to Bargetown, bourbon capital of the world. Uh, and then you just point yourself to, uh, to our distillery from there. And it's about 14 miles outside of there. All the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think you're soon going to find us on Snapchat. I think I've got a number of staff that really want to kind of do the Snapchat sort of thing. So You'll find us having, I think, some having some real fun on, on that media as well. My kids, that's what they live on these days, and so I think you'll see us um, kind of hitting, hitting that group um, and group of folks there as well. And yeah, so we're we're really trying to, you know, do some things that um, are uniquely us on there and uh, kind of point to to who we are and what we're all about. Well, Wally, we appreciate your time today. And uh, if you want to find us at Bourbon Barrel Talk, you can find us at our website. You can look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we've had a great time out here at Logstill. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe button so that way you get our episodes immediately. And uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, make sure you send them to the Facebook or our email account at bourbonbarreltalk at gmail.com. This is Scott, Josh, Matt, and Wally signing off. Peace, Peace. out. Hey, thank you, guys.